Thanks for coming in, Mr. Mahoney. Do you have your member ID card? Yep, I have it right here in the FEP Blue app. See? Great. It's awesome. The app can also help me find a provider and keep tabs on my deductibles. Okay, can I... Oh, yeah, and my out-of-pocket spending and visit limits, and I can call the nurse line. I'm really glad it does all that, but I only need to see your member ID card. Oh, that's it? Why didn't you say so? Fearless is just one tap away. With the new FEP Blue app from Blue Cross and Blue Shield, you can access your health benefits on the go. Download it now at fepblue.org slash app. Locked On Dolphins, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins, and welcome in to the Thursday, October the 5th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast brought to you by mybookie.ag. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. On today's show, we preview the game with the Titans, update you on Marcus Mariota's status for Sunday, we talk a little bit about Byron Maxwell, and we dive into the Dolphins' September woes from recent years. And speaking of that last segment about the Dolphins' September woes, I want to give you guys a little bit of an update on a programming change that I decided to make myself. And if, if you're a normal listener to the show, you know that Monday is always the five takeaways review from this, the previous game on Sunday. Tuesday is, is the statistical recap from the same game. Wednesday is the film breakdown from that same game. And then Thursdays is the game preview for the coming game the following Sunday. And while I think that's a great format and it's something that I've I, you know worked quite a bit on to kind of figure out how I was going to do it, I think that it can get a little bit stale, and I think that it is for me a little bit as a as a podcaster, and I think that it obviously has to have done the same for you guys if it's doing that for me. So I wanted to go ahead and make a slight change. I'm going to keep all of those segments as the normal part of their show on those specific days, but I'm going to add something else into it, something that I kind of create on my own, concoct on my own, and I've been doing it lately. I talked about the rookie defenders the other day, and today's going to be about the Dolphins' September woes in recent years and kind of the shift of the organization and what they have used to be compared to what they are now. So I just wanted to be kind of transparent with you guys and let you know what I'm thinking in terms of trying to upgrade the podcast and make it a little more fresh and uh, exciting for you guys on top of the raw analysis that I give you on a day-to-day basis. But as always, before I get into that, I have to remind you guys to go ahead and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Tuned In, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Go ahead and drop us a five-star rating, write us a nice little review. Those subscriptions, ratings, reviews are how podcasters are judged. The more we get, the higher we go up the iTunes chart. You guys know the deal by now. It exposes us to more Dolphins, helps continue to grow the show, and we really, really, really appreciate that support. Also, don't forget to check out the Lockdown Sports family of podcasts, including the Lockdown NFL podcast and Lockdown Heat podcast as the season approaches here for the NBA for local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Lastly, follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the show at Lockdown Fins. And check out my website, 3rd10.com. Week 4 quarterback grades and film study are up right now. Get down there right now and check that out. See how bad Jay Cutler graded out in the game on Sunday against the New Orleans Saints. And of course, last note on those reviews on the iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever they're calling it these days, 
reminding you guys how you can win yourself a free PFF Edge subscription. That's a $40 value. We're going to award one PFF Edge subscription per show per week. And what that is, is PFFProFootballFocus.com offers you NFL player grades, snap counts, positional ranks. If you watch the games on Sunday night on NBC, the little positional ranks below the player's name as they announce their starting lineups, that is from ProFootballFocus.com. So obviously a very reputable site. For you fantasy guys that have fantasy projections, rankings, tools, and charts, NFL draft coverage come April, and of course throughout the entire process with PFF profile and college stats, team and player pages featuring PFF stats. The Dolphins have their own page. It's a pretty awesome thing. And of course, every Thursday, Jeff Ratcliffe, the director of fantasy for Pro Football Focus, will join the Locked On Fantasy podcast for 10 minutes. That's profootballfocus.com. Leave a review on this podcast. Leave your Twitter handle in that review for your chance to win a free PFF Edge subscription. All right, let's go ahead and get into this Titans preview here a little bit. I had a chance to watch them on film, as I do every week with every team as I look at the quarterbacks across the league, and I watched Deshaun Watson really just eviscerate that defense, and I think it's kind of becoming a thing with the Titans defense where on a week-to-week basis they really aren't able to hold anyone back, and the Dolphins offense, I'm sure, as the Titans fans look at it, view us as a team that can kind of help them get healthy whereas the Dolphins fans are looking at that defense on the Titans and assuming that we can get our offense healthy and when I say get healthy it means start producing and and get back to being productive as you expected this team to be and the Titans defense certainly can do that for you but I want to go ahead and start with the quarterback position as we look at the injury report today on Thursday And Marcus Mariota, with that hamstring injury, did not play the second half of the game against the Texans. They were trailing by 16. The hamstring tightened up. They pulled him out at halftime. Someone told me they pulled him out because the game was not within reach, but a two-possession game is certainly within reach at halftime, so I don't buy that. He was obviously hurt enough to where it affected him to not be able to play. He was in street clothes come the second half. And in this game, he has been limited on Wednesday and Thursday's practice, and Coach Mike Malarkey is calling him day-to-day. And... I think Marcus Mariota is a good quarterback. I don't think he's as great as a lot of people want to make him out to be. I think that him and Jameis Winston are kind of on that fringe of of taking the step from above average quarterback to second tier quarterback. I don't think they're even close to that elite level yet. They're definitely on the fringe of that like above average, kind of like the, I would say, where a lot of people want to put Ryan Tannehill with the above average, not quite second tier with like the Matt Staffords and the you know, Phil Rivers, I guess, maybe not anymore, but used to be in that category, those type of quarterbacks. And Mariota, the reason he kind of falls into that category that he is in is because there's a lot of inconsistencies within the mechanics and within his ability to throw off of awkward platforms, and the accuracy suffers greatly at times because of that. Now, he's a quarterback that can really move a defense with his eyes. He can obviously burn you with his legs, which has been a major Achilles heel for this Dolphins defense for a long time now. I mean, Tyrod Taylor has had his way with the Dolphins defense, and not really anybody else for the most part across the span of his career. He's had good games here and there, and he's having a good year this year, but his running ability really stresses the Dolphins defense as do any other mobile quarterbacks. But the good news about this game is even if Marcus Mariota does play, that hamstring is not going to be 100%. I have to imagine they scale back a little bit of his uh, designed run plays they sprinkle in for him specifically throughout the game. And that running offense is just so good as it is that I think that his him being hampered with that hamstring will certainly dial that back a little bit. But even as a injured Marcus Mariota helps the Dolphins going to Matt Castle helps even more and uh, you guys have heard me talk about this before it's not necessarily 
the player that got hurt. It's the player that replaces the player that got hurt. And how big is that drop-off? Now, last year, Issa Abdul-Kudus, not the Dolphins' best safety or defender by any stretch of the imagination, but when he went down, it brought Michael Thomas into the lineup, and that drop-off was so significant. The Dolphins' defense could not recover, and it was a, a, a pretty much an open window for passing offenses against them from that point forward against the Patriots and the Steelers in the playoffs. But for the Titans, that fall-off is so significant going from Mariota to Matt Castle. Not only is he a journeyman backup quarterback that had a little bit of success in Kansas City his first year there after leaving the Patriots, he also changes the entire way that Titans offense operates. As I mentioned, they're going to run a lot of the RPOs, run pass options, where Mariota can run from the gun. He can either he can either give the ball to DeMarco Murray or Derrick Henry, or he can pull it out and pass it, or he can keep it and run around the edge. And that running threat, what that does is it essentially gives you an extra blocker because you can leave one man unblocked as they are forced to either crash on the inside give or the quarterback sneaking around the back end. So they have to honor that back end, which makes him an unblocked player that they don't have to account for. You can game plan around that. So taking him out of the lineup gives that takes that entire element out of the Titans offense. It helps the Dolphins commit another run defender in there and which they're going to need in this game. So in the Titans running offense, when I looked at the schedule going into the season, this was a game that I had pegged for an automatic loss because we know what the Titans have done to this team in the past. Last year in that game, they had a possession where they went 11 consecutive running plays all the way down to the three-yard line, and then they finally passed, and of course, Meredith was a touchdown pass on the play. But it just kind of shows you where their bread and butter is, how they wanted to attack this Dolphins defense. But this is a new Dolphins defense. This run defense is much better now. Devon Gacho is playing great. Vincent Taylor is giving you good snaps. And Donald Kinsue is always dominant, like I mentioned, as he always is. Will Hayes is there now. I think the linebackers, Lawrence Timmons, helps the run game a little bit. Rashad Jones is back and healthy, playing the run better. So this run defense has been up to snuff so far this year. They've held out Melvin Gordon for basically no yards. Game two... I, the Jets running game did not do a whole lot. The passing game was more effective than the run game was. And then last week against the Saints, the running game didn't do anything for them. So Dolphins run defense has been very rock solid so far against some pretty decent competition with the Saints and the Chargers, that is. And this is a great test for them to go up against a really, really stout offensive line against a bunch of first-round draft picks and guys that were high-priced free agents. This entire line was built at the same vein that they wanted to build the team from the inside out, and they did it successfully. Something the Dolphins have not been able to do in a long time. But on defense, the Dolphins run defense much better. Going to be a great test. If Marcus Mariota plays, I think it's going to be a close game. If Matt Castle plays, it could be a different story. We'll get to that prediction here in a minute. But let's go ahead and look more at the Titans on the other side of the ball on the defensive side. As I watched the tape from that game against the Texans last week in Houston, the thing that I noticed the most was the breakdowns in communication and just wide open guys running through that defense. And it wasn't even necessarily anything complex. One of the ones that I noticed was a big, I don't know if it was a touchdown or went down to the one yard line. It was a 30, 35 yard play, a big play, you know, an explosive play for the Texans offense. And Deshaun Watson, all he had to do was throw a simple post pattern to a wide open guy about 20 yards downfield. I think Jay Cutler is capable of doing that, even though it hasn't been a good start for him so far. But it was a simple route combination where they, it was, a, it was a soft cover two shell where the obviously the safety is back in the corners underneath, and they occupied the safety with a little out route, and then the inside guy took a post up the seam, and the safety was just kind of playing back off of it. No real challenge on at the line of scrimmage, no real challenge at the mesh point where the routes intersected, and no real challenge at the ball. Just a, a, It was basically throwing the ball against air, and that happened a couple of times in that game, and that's why I think the Dolphins' offense can really get going in this game, provided they can protect Jay Cutler enough to do that kind of stuff. I mean, the Titans give you some problems with their interior pressure, as well as some players off the edge. We all know about Jarrell Casey. He is an all-pro style player. Carl Klug has been a good player for a while for them, even though he's been kind of reducing the snap counts this year. 
But Jarrell Casey is a 70 per, 70% player for them up the front, and then the rest is kind of a rotation. And they haven't been the best at getting pressure this year, and the coverage in the back end has not been very good either. Their two starting corners are expatriate Logan Ryan and Adoree Jackson. They both play over 92% of the snaps for this team. And Adoree Jackson, for as much athletic ability as he has, he is very susceptible to getting beat, particularly on double moves. I think they're going to attack Adoree Jackson this game. Logan Ryan's had a pretty good year. And then their slot cornerback is Bryce McCain. We all remember him from that one year, 2015, with the Dolphins. Not a very good player. He's been a bit of a journeyman in his own right for that sense, too. So the, Dol- the Titans' cornerbacks really struggle. And I think that if the Dolphins can't get it going against this group, then you can really start to be concerned because obviously the Jets, they play pretty good defense. The Saints are not known for their defense, so you're starting to get a little bit concerned after that game. If the Dolphins can't get it right in this game against the Titans defense that's struggling to communicate, struggling to work in these new pieces, these young pieces on the back end, it's going to be, I think that's when you start to really think about panicking if, if it's another complete stinker for the offense. So they should be able to get it right. I'm not sure the run game is going to get going like we hope it will with JHI, but the passing game should be able to get right this week. So with all of that in mind, I told you guys that I expect it to be a close game if Marcus Mariota plays, and if he doesn't play, I mentioned it could not be that way, and what I meant by that was a Dolphins blowout. So my prediction for this game with Marcus Mariota is that the Dolphins come back home. You know, it's been a long road trip for them. They are finally at home. They're sleeping in their own beds. I mean, you do that throughout the week anyway. But to be able to wake up and go to your own practice field and know that you don't have to get on a plane in a few days, it's they've traveled halfway around the world as it is already. So I think the Dolphins, all those circumstances, coming back into the building for the first time this year, which is crazy to say, on October the 8th for them first game, I think all those factors lead to a Dolphins win either way. With Marcus Mariota in the game, I'm going to say the Dolphins win it 24-20. to And without Marcus Mariota, I'm going to say the Dolphins win it 34-17. to An absolute throttling of the Titans without Mariota. And I know people are going to say, oh, you're crazy, just stop doing that. But if you've watched the NFL for any number of years, you know that this is how it goes. Teams play really bad one week and they come back the next week and they're awesome. Everyone thought the Patriots were done when they lost to the Chiefs. They go back and beat the the breaks off the New Orleans Saints. The Bengals were lifeless for two games. They come back and should have beaten the Packers, played very well in that game, didn't quite get it done, and then come back the following week and just railroad the Cleveland Browns. So that's how the NFL works. It's a it's a league of swings. One game does not always mean the next game is going to be the same. So with that in mind, I think the Dolphins are really beaten down right now. Everyone's down and then they're bottom five in the power rankings, all this, you know, made up construct stuff that doesn't make any real tangible sense. Everyone's down on them. I think that they're going to finally come back and, and give you the performance you were hoping for all year, and that has to do with whether or not Mariota plays or not. I think it'll all play a good game. Mariota in the game, close game. Matt Castle not in the game. Complete blowout in favor of the Miami Dolphins. And speaking of my prediction for that game, if I were not retired from NFL betting, I still do college betting, but I retired from the NFL just because it's so tricky. But one of the things a lot of people ask me is, who do I have this week in my games? Who am I betting on? And I will tell you this, the thing that is more important than who you bet on is where you bet through. And that's why I'm here to tell you about mybookie.ag. MyBookie has been in business for years. Their reputation is rock solid. They do 100% cash bonuses, so off the bat, you're making money for doing nothing, and they have the fastest payouts. Seriously, just two business days, and let me tell you from experience, that is unheard of in the business. You know who's going to win the game. Lay some cash down, win big today. 
Use a site that you can trust, mybookie.ag. You win, they pay. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business, and an all-new mobile site that makes wagering on the go a breeze. Join now, and MyBookie will match your deposit for up to 100% bonus. Use promo code LOCKEDON to activate that offer. That's promo code LOCKEDON. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. You are listening to the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, with you here at Wingfield NFL. And the next segment I want to talk about is, I think, probably one of Dolphins fans' favorite punching bag. We'll get right back with that here in a second. Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. All right, guys. Locked on Dolphins podcast here. Travis Wingfield with you, as always, talking about Byron Maxwell. Now, this is a guy that has been pretty much maligned throughout the course of his career once he left Seattle. The one year in Philadelphia was an absolute train wreck. That was supposed to be a big time move for them. Did not work out so well. He comes to Miami. He's supposed to play in a scheme that is more suited for his skill set, which I'm still trying to figure out what that skill set is because he's supposed to be a physical press corner, but he voluntarily opts not to do that. In the game against the Jets, the Dolphins staff wanted him to play a lot more press man. This was a piece that Armando Salguero wrote with the Miami Herald, and he basically said, nah, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to play off coverage and give him these inside routes and these little short completions and just get torched because that's what I feel like doing. So Byron Maxwell, for all intents and purposes, I'm not going to cuss in the podcast, but he can get the bleep out of here from all I, have, all I have to care about it. I think that they benched him for that game against the Saints. Adam Gaze said, or the media asked Adam Gaze, is he not playing because of an injury or what, what happened here? And he said, no, we already decided that Cordrea was going to be the starter, Cordrea Tankersley. Cordrea Tankersley comes into the game, plays well, but before he can even get onto the field on Sunday, Byron Maxwell basically pulls himself out of the game with an injury that, you know, I'm not going to call guys out for faking injuries, but I'm going to go ahead and call a guy out for faking an injury because that's a Byron Maxwell move. Last year in the playoffs, he had an ankle injury that lasted, what was it, over a month. The team really, really needed him. They were thin in the secondary, injuries piling up. They really needed their veteran presence, and he said, nah, I'm good. I'm just going to sit on the sideline and watch this team get railroaded by Antonio Brown. So Byron Maxwell... Hope you're enjoying your paycheck down in Miami. This will be his last year with the team, no doubt about it. Be surprised if he makes it through the entire season. The only reason he's on the team right now is because of the huge cap hit that it would take the Dolphins to get rid of him. So Byron Maxwell, see you later. Don't let the door hit you, basically, is how I feel about it. <clears throat> All right, and finally here for the title segment of this podcast episode, the September woes of the Dolphins, or the slow September, however you want to say. I'm a big fan of alliteration, but... Yeah, we're working with the working title here. So just want to talk about the Dolphins' early season struggles throughout the course of, I don't know how long it spans back. I mean, pretty much since the Dolphins haven't been a good team, you expect teams with bad records to have months where they have bad records, right? But the team, the way the Dolphins used to be in the past, at least when I was growing up, I remember, you know, I became a fan of this team when I was in elementary school in second or third grade or so. It was like 1994 when they lost that playoff game to the Chargers in heartbreaking fashion, obviously. But I became a fan then, and I've been so loyal ever since then. And I think that the reason I hung on as a fan was because as a kid, you're so volatile to 
or so impressionable, I should say, to, to volatility in the sports realm that whenever a team gets bad, you are, it's pretty easy to jump to the next bandwagon. Now, now that I'm almost 30 years old, I don't really do that. I think that most men would not do that because that's kind of a weird characteristic. But back then, I expected them to win all the time. I remember when I was, I want to say, a freshman in high school. It was like the 2000, and, 2000 season or going into that Houston Texans game. might have been 2003, I think it was, actually. They had a run of 11 consecutive opening day wins, and I just counted on them winning those games. I counted on them being 3-1 through the first quarter of the season or, or better, if not you know, if not better, 4-0. And it became a really popular thing for the Miami Dolphins to be out of the gates, super hot, looking good, looking like a Super Bowl contender. And then come November, December, the offensive struggles would wear on the defense and they would wear down, and then they would go on the road, these cold weather games, and get beat up and just fall apart, and they would either lose their playoff seed altogether or they would go from an AFC East title down to a sixth seed and then lose in the playoffs. But now the thing seems to be they play worse in September and strong in the middle of the season, and this dates back for quite a long time. Last year, Dolphins started off 1-4. and four. We all know about that. And I, I know I want to use the first four games. It's not really necessarily September all the time, but the first four games is usually where we look at. But last year, it actually works here for the 1-4 and four purpose because it just shows you how bad they were in the beginning of the season. Prior to that, they're 1-3 and three with Joe Philbin gets axed. Dan Campbell comes in and gets him a couple of wins. You all know what happened there. Uh, 2014, same story. They start off 1-2, and two, lose that game to the Chiefs in an embarrassing fashion, go to London, get a win against the at the time, helpless Raiders. Back to 2013, that was actually Dolphins of old, if you will, starting off 3-0 and then going going on to lose the next four games. 2012, they started off 1-3 also before getting a couple of big wins against the Bengals and I forget the other team they beat, but this is off the top of my head, guys. I, I, re, I can recite this stuff off of the top of my head because this is all I do and all I think about is the Dolphins team. So, uh, you know, it's just something they've been really struggling with for going back to Sperano and obviously Saban and Wanstead. I mean, the year Saban went 9-7, and seven, they started off, I think they started off 2-1, and one, but then after that, it was just a train wreck after that. So September issues have to be something that get corrected. I think there's a, there's a certain way you do that. I talk a lot about how I want the Dolphins to be a power running team, especially early in the year, because when you play these games in Miami, if you can run the ball 30, 35 times, it's going to be really tough for that defense to keep up. And we saw that last year in the Pittsburgh game when Lawrence Timmons, then a Steeler, now a Dolphin, was throwing up in the end zone after the Dolphins just gashed him down the field. And the biggest reason the Dolphins can't do that this year is because it's now October 5th as I'm talking today, and it will be October 8th before they step on the field before they play their first game in Hard Rock Stadium. Now, I have to think that it's probably naive to think this way because the NFL doesn't really care about Miami in particular. But I have to think that they're going to try to help them out a little bit next year with at least one home game in September, hopefully a couple. And I think that that can be your opportunity to get healthy in that, right? And once you get that that advantage of those September wins, you start stacking wins early in the season, that allows you to take that adjustment period to find out what kind of football team you are, kind of mold your identity, and become a team that can be reckoned with in October, November, December when the games really start to matter. And if you stack those wins up then, you're not you're not competing for you know, the sixth seed like we did last year or trying to get into the wild card on the back end of the, of the docket or whatever. You're competing for division titles and first round buys. And then when you get to those levels, I mean, that's that's how you win Super Bowls, especially when you're, I mean, if you could, if the Dolphins were to somehow get a first round buy, play that first game in Miami, you're one win away from an AFC championship game, somewhere the team has not been since 1992, since I was five years old. So I think September is going to be the key to this team getting everything turned around. We know how they can kind of develop and get going later in the year, 
But get two, three wins in September and start talking about AFC East titles, not wildcard berths. All right, guys, long show today. That's going to do it for me. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating and review. Check out the other Locked On Sports podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter, at NFL. Check out thirdand10.com. Also, don't forget to check out mybookie.ag. I'll be back on Monday to talk about the game over the Titans. Actually, it'll be Sunday night. I'll put the podcast out. We'll get your Twitter mailbag for those questions for that game at Wingfield NFL. So be back on Monday for another episode of Lockdown Dolphins podcast, your daily dose of Dolphins football. Fins up.